thank you, Logan, and appreciate you leading our worship. Uh, as you know, back in March, uh, Michael Adler uh, celebrated his 15th anniversary at our church, and uh, we have a personnel policy that's, that's kind to offer uh, opportunities to uh, uh, ministerial staff to go on a sabbatical when they've hit one of those uh, benchmarks. And so with those 15 years, he's got the month of July. So uh, Michael and Linda are resting, relaxing, and recharging. And we appreciate Logan. And then next Sunday, as you know, Logan is getting ready to head to England to join that crowd. We will have someone else leading music on the 17th. And you don't want to miss this one. It's going to be unbelievable. All right? Isn't that right? <laughs> so it'll be great. So we keep thinking about Michael and be praying for them through this month. This is, uh, these are exciting times in, in the life of our church. Uh, we engaged in a, a process starting back in August of uh, last year of working uh, with a team to uh, help us to get some guidance and direction for the next five to ten years in the life of our church. There's so many things that we have completed uh, over these past number of years through our 2010 vision and then Touch the World 2015 and as we're completing our chapters program. And, and so it's like, what's the next great step that we want to take as a church? And it's been a wonderful time of us doing a lot of soul searching and looking in our community and looking at our church and, and uh, trying to come up with a great foundation that will jettison us to uh, an incredible God-sized vision for, uh, for our next steps. And so um, we're in a series that we're starting this Sunday called We Value. And there are things in life that we value. And I want to go a little bit deeper and explain that. But let me set a, the table for you just to talk to you a little bit about, uh, about our church, where we are, and uh, exactly what this message is going to mean. The first thing that we need to take a look at is the mission of our church. And what the mission does is the mission says, what are we doing? And I heard Steve during the, uh, during the welcome and getting ready to commission these, uh, made the statement, this is our mission statement, that's sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Sending, we're all on mission, moving out. Transform people. Uh, the passage that uh, Logan just read about how there's a metamorphosis, a change in our life that Christ does. And as, we, as he's making those changes in our life, then we are to go and to influence, to have an effect on our world our sphere of influence. And our world could be everything from our neighbors that are across the street and next door to us, to the people that work with us, to those that are in our school with us, that play ball with us, all these different things. Wherever you go, that's your sphere of influence. And so the mission of our church is sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. So that's what we do. So the question is, how do you do that? Well, that's where your strategy comes in. And so our strategy was threefold. And it was meet with God, connect with others, and live with purpose. Meet with God. We come together. We meet with God corporately, but in every day we are to be meeting with God. You connect with others. You're not going to be able to influence a world unless you connect with others and build those relationships. And then your whole life is to live with purpose. And so if we meet with God, connect with others, we live with purpose, then we can be able to be transformed people that influence their world for Christ. So you've got the what and you've got the how, but then really what you need to understand is the why. Why do we do what we do? And the answer to this question is called values, and we're calling it core values. 
You see, why you do what you do is because you have core values. Now, here's the definition of core values. Core values are guiding principles that dictate behavior and action. Core values are guiding principles that dictate behavior and action. And corporations and churches have core values. Each of us as individuals, we have core values. Every one of us here have got core values. And those core values are what dictate our behavior, our action. They guide us and they guide us in our decision making. The great thing about core values in a church is it helps you to celebrate why you're different. Every church doesn't have the same core values. We're unique as every church has got that uniqueness about them. So we're unique and then the core values that we have, but it's also unifying because we're all together as one body. And so we have these core values. And when you talk about core values as a church, it is not something that myself as the pastor and our staff put together and we pass down to the congregation. It is actually a conglomerate of the values of our people. We are the church. You are the church. And after 105 years of existing and, and seeing the way that we do things and, and, and how we make our decisions and what are the things that drive us, this is what these are the core values. So it didn't come from a top-down approach. It's from a bottom-up. It's from this is who we are. And so these are core values for how we operate. And the great thing about having core values when you have the why is it helps you to make your decisions. It gives you the ability to say no to some things because they don't fit with core values. It gives you the ability to push forward on some things because you say, this is exactly what we do. This is our core values. Core values, they shape your actions. They shape the way you operate and the decisions that you make. Every one of us has core values and it affects our decisions. If you ever watch HGTV, at some time you're going to see somebody that's ready to buy a house. They're going to build a house. They're going to fix up a house. And whenever they're getting ready to make a decision about building a house or, or buying a house, the realtor will ask them the question, what are the things you're looking for in your house? And they'll begin to give them a checklist. It is amazing when you see the checklist that almost every person, it seems to me, will say, we want to have an entertainment space. We uh, love to have our friends over. We love to entertain. So we need to get an open floor plan so that we've got the kitchen to where it goes right into the large room. And then also we need some outside space so that we can put up the barbecue grill, set up a bar area to serve Cokes and fruit juice and, um, you know, and, and have these places to where we, we entertain people. And when they're looking for the house, then when they walk through the houses, that's what they look for. And they say, okay, is there, are we going to have enough room to entertain people? Friends and entertainment is a value. And it's their value, and it will determine and drive the decision on what house that they buy. We all have core values. And the core values we have will drive the decisions that we make. Our church has core values. We have five core values that we have identified that will drive decisions that we make and, uh, and the actions that we take. And so I'm going to give you these five, and each Sunday we're going to biblically take a look at what these values are. And as we talk about them, we're going to talk about them corporately but also individually. 
because it affects every one of us. So let me just give you what they are first. The first value is the one we'll talk about today, and that is every disciple growing. Every disciple growing. Number two is every person on mission. Every person on mission. The third core value that we have is every relationship meaningful. Every relationship meaningful. And fourth is every generation together. Every generation together. And last of all, the fifth one is every pursuit with excellence. Every pursuit with excellence. Five core values of Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Every disciple growing, every person on mission, every relationship meaningful, every generation together, and every pursuit with excellence. And so during these next few weeks, we want to look at these and get an understanding as to what exactly does this mean. And if you take a look at the first one, every disciple growing, you will see that we're going to make a big deal about every. That includes us all. But then you look at the word disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ. And that whenever a person made a decision to receive Christ and they followed him, they were, they were a disciple. And so uh, Jesus said when he walked up and um, uh, there were a couple guys that were there fishing and Peter and Andrew and then James and John. And he says, hey, guys, I want you to leave your nets and follow me. Later on in his ministry, he says, you are to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. A disciple is a follower of Christ. And so we start right there. And for some of you that if you come in today and say, well, I'm not a member of this church, but then you also may say, but you know, I'm, I'm really not a, a follower of Christ. Well, I would encourage you that today would be a great day to be able to look at the claims of Christ and even to make that decision today. Because see, what Jesus did is he came to die for your sins. Because all of us have sinned, and because of our sin, the things that we've done wrong in our life, and we've got all of this junk in our lives, that junk is what separates us from God. And so as a holy God, we are sinful man, we are separated from him, and we cannot come into his presence just through us trying to do a lot of good things, because we'll never do enough good things to come into a relationship with a holy, perfect God. And so God sent his son to be a sacrifice to pay the penalty for your sins. The Bible says that the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. And so what Jesus did was he went to a cross, lived a perfect life, died for your sins and for my sins. And when he died, he paid that penalty. But the good news is he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. And when that happened, he overcame sin, he overcame death, and he gives us that opportunity to come into a right relationship with God to live a life on purpose while you're here on earth, and then when you die, you spend eternity in heaven. And so this is what we mean by every disciple growing, every disciple. When you make a decision for Christ, you are a disciple of his. And the responsibility is, is that every one of us is to grow in our walk with God. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4. And in, in that verse, in that chapter, we want to read five verse, verses 11 through 16. 
Now, what you'll notice as we read this, this passage is that the Apostle Paul is really good on run-on sentences. So I love him. He will make a sentence go forever and ever. And uh, it's difficult at times to preach it, but you just, I want you to hold on and, and follow with me. So verses 11 through 16, we're going to read these verses. And uh, it's two sentences, but two long ones. Are you ready? He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. It's first sentence. <laughs> Second sentence. Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, this is how I want us to break this down. Number one, first of all, I want us to get some foundational truths of every disciple growing foundational truths of every disciple growing. This comes from verses 11 and 12, the way Paul lays it out. And the very first thing that you see among these foundational truths is this. Ministers equip members to minister to the body of Christ. Ministers equip members to minister to the body of Christ. Uh, if you say that three times, it's really hard with all the M's in there, but it makes a lot of sense. The ministers equip members to minister to the body of Christ. You see, he started in verse 11. He says, some are called to be apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. And the purpose of that is to be able to equip the members. And that word equip, when you see that in verse 12, it's a word that means to educate, to train, to guide, to prepare a person for a task. Now, if you look in verse 12, it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I've got good news for you. You're a saint. That's what the Bible calls those who are set apart for God. When you make a decision for Christ, hey, in the scripture, you become a saint. And he says, we need to equip the saints. So the responsibility of myself and our staff is not to do all the work for you to sit back there and cheer us on. But our responsibility is to prepare the lay people, you, the members, to be able to handle ministry within the church. And I love that word ministry. It comes from a word that means to serve. And, and so what the leadership, what we are to do is to encourage and to train you to be able to serve. And a lot of the way we do this is even through our Sunday school to where so much of the ministry that's done in this church is not through paid staff members, but it's through volunteer Sunday school. And for those that are leading in our Sunday schools, and when there's a death in a family, it's our Sunday school class that is over there that is taking food to the people and that is there to comfort them and be with them and support them during this time. And sure, there'll be a staff member. We'll come out there and spend some time. But, but the vast amount of time is going to be the Sunday school class that ministers to them during that time, after that time. And when there, when there needs and when there's joys, when there are things to be celebrated, things to be worked with, we have lay people that do that. Our job is to equip them to do that. This is exactly what the scripture says, is that the ministers are to equip the members to minister to the body of Christ. 
I remember when I became pastor at First Baptist Church Ruston, I, I believed this. It was in Scripture, and so I began to do that and, and to challenge our people and to give them things that they needed to do and to, and to get out and do ministry. I'll never forget a guy named Skip Russell. He was a good friend, but he came up to me after about three months, and he just kind of shook his head, and he says, Pastor, I tell you, if we'd have known you were going to work us this hard, we'd have never called you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was great because this is what we're supposed to do. And uh, so this is one of the foundations. Every disciple growing. Why does every one of us need to grow in our walk with Christ? Because we are to minister, every one of us, to minister to the body of Christ. Number two, members build up the body of Christ through utilizing their spiritual gifts. Members build up the body of Christ through utilizing their spiritual gifts. Now understand, we're laying a foundation for every disciple growing. You are responsible to minister to the body, and you do this through utilizing spiritual gifts. And it says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Building up the body of Christ. That means strengthening the church. And this is done through every member making a contribution through utilizing their spiritual gifts. The work of praying and caring and witnessing uh, and encouraging is done by all believers and not just a few trained ministers. And so, for us as a church, we try to encourage us, encourage you to understand what your spiritual gift is. Uh, we have one person on our staff, uh, Kim Hancock, who has that main responsibility of leading something uh, called a divine design for you to understand what your gifts are and how to use those in the church. I'm going to give you a, a website over here that you can go to uh, right here, divinelydesigned.net. And I would encourage every member to do this. If you've never gone and gotten an assessment about what your spiritual gift is, you can go right here, take an assessment, and once you take an assessment, then we can get back with you and talk to you. And you can say, these are where my gifts are. This is where my passions are. This is what I'm interested in. And once you understand that, then we can match you up with ways that you can serve in the church. And so you may sit there and say, you know, kids are great for other people, but I'm not really that good with children. We're not going to put you in preschool. You know, we're going to find what it is that you really love to do and place you over there. And let me tell you how Kim used this, which to me was just wonderful. She had done an assessment of all of the senior high students that went on their latest uh, trip, the senior high choir that went to New Orleans. And she sat down with Lo Logan, and they were to put together ministry teams that were to go work in New Orleans. And she took all the assessments, and she pretty well handpicked every team saying this team needs this type of person and that type of person, this gift and this whatever. And so they shaped every one of those teams, not by who your best friend is, but how do you best work together and what does that team need? And he said it went just phenomenally. It was great. And every team operated in such a great way. So we need, every one of us, every disciple needs to continue to grow because every one of us as members of the church, we are called to be ministers here in the church body and outside the body. And we are to utilize the gifts that have been given us. Okay, that's our foundational truth. So what are the goals of this? Well, <clears throat> the goals are found in verse 13. The goals of every disciple growing. So if every disciple is growing, what do we hope? 
What are the goals? In verse 13, it says, you're building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, there's a lot of wording in there, but there's two goals in there. You ready? Number one, the first one is this. That is the unity of the faith and the unity of the church. The unity of the faith, the unity of the church. Why does, what is the goal of every disciple growing? Paul says, until we all attain, that word means to reach the goal. Until we reach the goal of the unity of the faith. The faith is trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. And so, as we grow as disciples, we began to have a greater trust and confidence in Jesus Christ. As we grow in that trust and confidence, then there's a unity of what we believe of our faith, and that unity of faith is then carried over into the unity of believers. Any church, anyone you talk to, you say, what is one of the most important aspects of a church? What is a, what is a characteristic that a church needs to have? People will say unity. Nobody likes to come to a church where there's getting ready to be a split. Nobody loves to come to a church where people argue and fight and uh, they say, you know, I get enough of that Monday through Saturday. I don't need to come in on Sunday and see that happening. There needs to be a unity. Well, how does that unity happen? That unity happens with every disciple growing because if we're all growing in Christ, then it means that we can not be uniformity. We can still disagree on things, but when we disagree, we're not disagreeable, We can talk about it. We can pray about it. And then we say, okay, we feel this is where God wants us to go. And so there's that unity in faith. When every disciple is growing, there's a unity of the faith and there's that unity of the church. And the second is spiritual maturity, individually and corporately. One of the goals of every disciple growing is a spiritual maturity. And that is individually and corporately. The church is made up of all of our members. And so when you want to um, test the waters of the spiritual maturity of our church, you do the spiritual maturity of every member. And so as all of us grow, then all of a sudden there's a spiritual maturity among us as individual and there's a spiritual maturity corporately. And he says here in verse 13 that the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, and uh, we can say to mature personhood. It's not just, talking about just the men. He's talking about all of us to be mature and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a full spiritual maturity. There's a complete conformity of Christ. You see, there's an understanding that the church is a single organism of all these members here. And with this single organism, we are to grow together and we grow in the Lord. And as a church, we get stronger and stronger, okay, until we reach spiritual maturity. Now, that's the goal. Unity, spiritual maturity. It's growing that walk with Christ. Be just like that verse said in Corinthians, that we are to be transformed, that there's that difference that happens in our life. Well, you have those, but then the question is, The last thing is the results, the results of every disciple growing. So if we do this, if we took this serious, and every one of us says, you know what, I need to grow in my walk with Christ. I want to be one who follows Christ, and I want my relationship to grow. 
I don't want to look back and say, I made a decision for Christ when I was 12, and I was stronger then than I've ever been, and today I'm 48. You don't want to be there. What you want to do is get to that point to where you could look and say, you know what? I'm stronger today than I've ever been. I'm stronger in my walk with God than I've ever been. I've got a better understanding of who Christ is more than any other time in my life. That's where you want it to be. And so what are the results of that? Well, the results shows right here in verse 14. And he starts with the word, so that. That's letting you know, we want to do all of this so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The first result is this, doctrinal stability. And that means you know what you believe and why. Doctrinal stability. You know what you believe and why. He says, you need to grow as a disciple so that you're no longer children. Children, he's talking about people that are spiritually immature. When you look at infants, infants are defenseless. They're unable to protect themselves. And in the spiritual life, Immature children are easy prey for false teaching. And so he's saying you need to grow up and no longer be a child in the faith, but there needs to be maturity there. And he uses the illustration of being tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. And if you've ever gone to the, to the beach and, and when the wind picks up and blows and the waves are going, you could have something out there in a wave and it, it, uh, and it may have been something that you wanted to, wanted to keep. It could be a float or so. And, and all of a sudden the waves begin to carry it this way and that way. And the wind picks up and it blows it and you find yourself chasing after, after this float. And you're just going back and forth. You're going all over the place trying to get this float. And wherever it goes, you go. He's saying that's what happens to us is that if we are not <clears throat> mature in the faith, then <clears throat> we'll hear the latest sermon from the latest preacher and say, okay, I guess that's correct. Or we'll pick up the, the latest book and we'll read it and say, well, I guess that's correct. And before you know it, we're getting t- pulled this way, that way, and there's no doctrinal stability. We don't know what we believe. And we don't know why we believe it. And then when someone comes up with something that is false, that is just not true about the Bible or about God, about Jesus, we don't know. We don't know how to defend it. Then we began to question it. We say, well, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. When we are constantly growing as a disciple, it gives us a doctrinal stability to know what you believe and why you believe it. And when... We are mature. It gives us the opportunity and the capacity to evaluate teaching, to accept what is true, reject what is false, and we distinguish between what is good and evil. And this is so important today. You know, this is not the 1960s. When I was growing up in in the 60s and everything was so much more of a Bible belt and a a Christian culture, and and, uh, it's a whole different world today. And there's a lot of syncretism, which by me, what I mean by that is a lot of people take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this, and they mix it all together, and they say, this is, this is what I believe. And, and I just made a list. I just started making a list. These are things that you will get hit with uh, in, in today's society. Some people will tell you that Jesus was divine, but he wasn't human. 
oh yeah, he was the divine son of God, but, but he would have never suffered on a cross. So that was really not him that suffered or, uh, so he's divine, but he's not human. Then there'll be people that will say, well, no, Jesus was human. He was a good man and a good teacher, but he was not the, the son of God. And then there'll be some that says, well, there's no Trinity. There's not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That that's just can't happen. That That's not true. Then there'll be those that will say, it's salvation by grace plus works. So don't just sit there and think that just because you've received Christ as Savior that you're saved. No, no, there are other things you have to do to be saved. And that's what people will tell you. And that's just opposite of, of what we know in Scripture. Then some will say, well... You know the baptism that we had? Some people will say, well, that's necessary for salvation. You're not baptized, you're not saved. No, it's an act of obedience. Christ alone will save us. Then there'll be people who say, all roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. Just take all these different roads, they'll all lead you to heaven. Some will tell you that sincere belief is enough. If you're just sincere enough, then that should be good. And I've had people look, tell me, oh, this person has to be saved because they were sincere in what they believe. You know, I, you know, you can be sincere all you want thinking one plus one equals eight, but it's not going to happen. And, and just because you're sincere doesn't mean that you're right. But we can get swayed by this. Or people just say, you know, I'm a spiritual person. That's kind of the new thing. Heard an interview uh, Dan Rather had with uh, Willie Nelson, one of the Christian stalwarts, uh, you know, and... Um, and interviewing Willie Nelson, he asked him about the spiritual, and his answer was, I'm a spiritual person. And Dan Rand's like, ooh, yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual person. And then people go, okay, well, good. That, that's good. He's a spiritual person. And he says, I believe in karma. And I believe that, uh, you know, you do good unto others, which is a good thing to believe. Willie, that's good. Well, I want to do good to others. And so you just sort of put it all together. And so the belief structure is, you know, hey, what's going to happen is going to happen. And uh, you just got to be good to others and just kind of be a spiritual person. Everything's going to be fine. And you can hear that. And guess what? As a child, spiritually, you can buy into that. And so, well, I guess that, I guess that makes some sense. And we get tossed to and fro back and forth on here. Or the people that says, well, actually, there's two different gods. There's the Old Testament God who's really mean, and then there's a New Testament God who's real kind and gentle. See, that's just not right. (laughs) Same yesterday, today, and forever. But you hear these things. They get thrown to you. And why we feel like that a core value of our church is every disciple growing is that we need, as a church, to be strong where we stand doctrinally. And we stand on God's word. And so we want to believe that, that, that when we're trying to figure out what we believe, interpret life, what's going on, what's going to happen, we always go back to God's word. Every disciple growing. So in order to do this, the result of it is doctoral stability. You know what you believe and you know why. Number two, speaking truth in love. Speaking truth in love. In verse 14, verse 15, he says, I don't want you tossed by all these winds of doctrine. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him. Speaking the truth in love. As followers of Christ, we need to be committed to these two. Committed to truth and committed to love. What this means is our words need to be honest and that our action should reflect Christ 
Love and Christ integrity. Speaking truth in love. If a core value of your church is every disciple growing, then it means that we are to be people that are truthful, we're honest, but we speak it in love. John Stott made this statement. He says, truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. Love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. And the apostle calls us to hold the two together. Truth becomes hard if not softened by love. That means you just can't come and hammer someone. But then love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. We need to put those two together. It needs to be truth and it needs to be love. And so if you are a growing disciple, it doesn't mean that you've got more Bible verses that you can hammer your neighbor over the head with or that person in the cubicle next to you that you've just been ready to jump all over him and tell him this, 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 this. No, it means as I'm growing in Christ, I've got a greater knowledge of God's word, but I've got a greater understanding of the love of God in my heart. And so I'm able to sit down with someone and in love to share truth with them. And when they come to me and they're looking for my opinion and I don't want to hurt their feelings, but yet I need to be truthful. If I am growing as a disciple, I can be truthful and in love and say, listen, you want my opinion? I know you want me to say, yes, you should do this, but I've got to tell you, no, you shouldn't do that. And let me just tell you why and let you know that I'm on your side on this. Speaking truth in love. Now, we're in a scary time in the life of, of our country to where it seems like people don't really care if you tell the truth or not. And they don't really care if they tell the truth or not. And uh, some of the most frustrating things of, of getting into a presidential and political time in our, in our country is that people just lie. I mean, and... And it's pointed out. And then people dance around it and move on to another story and, and we just keep on going. You got to go back to one of the first things that I said. Core values. Core values are your guiding principles that dictate your actions and your decisions that you make. And if you've got someone who's never really shooting you straight or is going to be lying or, uh, or just coloring around the edges on there. If that's who they are, that means that's a core value. And then you can understand that decisions that person makes are also going to be impacted by there's really no need to tell the truth. And you need to keep that in mind when you figure out who you want to vote for. You got to keep that in mind when you figure out who you want to go into business with. You want to keep that in mind when you're trying to determine uh, a relationship or someone that you're thinking about getting married to. All of these things are important. Integrity, speaking truth, and speaking in love. And you get to make the choice as to what you want to do with people like that. Okay? And I have, uh, you know, I've just... I've just had too much experience of people coming by whose relationships have fallen apart. 
And when you drive down deep, they said, well, I, you know, I knew that they weren't really telling me the truth, uh, you know, when we were dating and stuff. And, and it just felt like that when we got married, then all of a sudden they'd be very truthful. And it just doesn't, you just got to run. Okay. So that's another sermon in itself. But what I'm doing is letting you know what he says here in scripture. He says right here, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, a disciple that is growing speaks the truth in love. And that means you need to continue to, to, to fight for integrity, stay with integrity, be a man or woman of integrity. Number three is this. The third result is becoming more like Christ. Isn't that great? When you're growing, every disciple growing, every disciple growing, guess what? You become more like Christ. And he says this in verse 15, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And it, and it pictures this, uh, the body and it's Christ is the head. And so as Christ is the head, everything grows up into Christ. He feeds the body. And, and so by me being with Christ, I'm being fed by him and I'm being strengthened by him and I'm becoming more and more Christ-like. We attach ourselves to Christ by faith. And as we grow, we grow closer into relation with him in conformity to his character, in conformity to his will. Every disciple growing. And our goal is to be like Christ. And the only way that will happen is that every one of us continues to grow. Every disciple growing. And last of all is strengthening and growing the church. Strengthening and growing the church. The result is... Verse 16, he says, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, he's saying that we need to be conformed to Christ and, and we need to grow in Christ. And we try to provide these things. That's why we have Sunday school. This is why we have accountability groups. This is why we have weekday Bible studies. This is why we have worship services is so that we can grow more in Christ and be conformed to Christ. And when that happens, we are strengthened in our life. The church is strengthened and the church grows. It grows from a health standpoint and probably from there will grow numerical standpoint. But it grows because it's stronger on there. And we're all connected. Look at verse 16 again. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. The reason we put every, every disciple growing, look at verse 16 again. From whom the whole body that's all of us, the whole body. Then he says, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part, it's every one of us, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow and it builds itself up in love. When each part, that means every one of us has a part. Now, the positive part of this verse says that when each part is working, the body's doing great. Man, each part is working. This is working. That's working. Boom, it's working good. And it builds itself up in love. The flip side of that, well, what if some of the parts aren't doing that? What if a number of us say, well, I just kind of want to take that one off. I'm not worried about every disciple growing. I really don't want to grow much in, in, my, in my walk. Then what happens is, is you've got parts of the body that are not working. And when a part of the body doesn't work, then it brings weakness to the whole body. 
There's nothing in Scripture that says that people are giftless or useless. It doesn't ever say that when you join, you've got no gifts and you've got no use. As soon as you become a believer in Christ, it says you are part of the body of Christ. And as you're a part of the body, then you want to do for what you've been created to do. And when you do that and you're growing as a disciple, guess what's happening? You're strengthening and you're growing the church. And we live in some perilous times to our culture, our church, everything, a lot of things are under attack. And so what do we do? Well, what we do is every individual is growing as a disciple. And as we grow as a disciple, then all of a sudden we're strengthening this whole body. And as we're a stronger body, then we're stronger salt and light when we go out into the community. Every disciple growing, every one of us, that's a core value. And it should be a core, it's a core value of our church, and it should be a core value of each person individually. And so my hope for you is that this whole week you be thinking about that. Okay, Lord, every disciple growing, it is my responsibility. I want to grow in my walk with you. I want to learn more about you. I want to be strengthened in my walk with you. I want to understand what it means to be a transformed believer. And you begin to pray and spend time every day with God and let him begin to show you these things. And you're going to be amazed. You're going to be amazed what it's like to strengthen that relationship with God and to see what he does in your life. And then when you see what happens in your lives individually, then what will happen corporately as a church? Wow, that's pretty exciting to see what can happen. All right, let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word. And we thank you for salvation. And Lord, I thank you so much that when, when you save us, you don't just put us off to the side and say, well, just go with, and do what you want. And then when you die, we'll, we'll catch up with you in heaven. But the goal is that we become more like Christ and that we become the person in which we are created and we begin to do the works for which you've fashioned us for. And so, Father, it's our prayer that each one of us as individuals will take that challenge about every disciple growing. And may we all have that desire to be transformed and to be like Christ in our life, in the way we treat others, in the way we just navigate through life. And may we make decisions that are full of integrity, and may we speak the truth in love. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.